Hello and welcome to Posting Up, the Washington Post NBA podcast. I'm your host, Tim Bontemps, national NBA writer for the Washington Post. And today, very happy, I should say tonight, because recording this late on Monday night, uh, early Tuesday morning, Eastern time. I'm very happy to be joined by Brett Dawson uh, from the New Orleans Advocate um, on a day where I think it's safe to say is the final day of the Pelican season, even though they've got about a month to go. Right, Brett? Uh, pretty much, Tim. That's about right. I want to say first how thrilled I am. You know, anybody can do your podcast one time, but I feel really validated coming back for a second. <laughs> so, it's a it's, it's, it's a short list. I think it's you. I think it's you and uh, Ethan Strauss and Dan Wojcicki so far is the only the only multiple guests. So it's I like, do not belong in that. Category. <laughs> it's, it's, nice. I, it's very nice of me. I would say nice you don't me. argue in that. Uh, you don't belong in that category for other reasons that are not as nice to those guys, but that's a different thing entirely. Um, but we'll we'll transition from from ripping on my pals Ethan and Dan to uh, the Pelicans, who today had a press conference with Anthony Davis to announce that uh, not only would his season be over, but that he's having multiple surgeries, one on his knee and one on his shoulder. Um, so I guess, uh, you're better, better to do this than me, Brett. Why don't you walk the people through, you know, for people that missed it, uh, during the day Monday, you know, what exactly is happening with him and what, what's coming next? Yeah. So the, the one, the one weird thing I'll clarify right away is he's going to have two procedures and the Pelicans have said, they've, they've used the word procedures in their releases. Anthony Davis said surgeries today, but then he also said the knee he doesn't know exactly what he's doing. He's going to see a specialist in L.A. He has tendinosis, which is a kind of related to tendinitis. It's a, it's a long-term kind of chronic tendon pain. And the way you treat that, and, and boy, I read a lot about it today in very, very academic journals that I did not really understand. Uh, but some of that is not surgical. Some of it involves a procedure that's, that, that involves uh, some injections. But whatever it is, there's a rest after it. So it may end up that he needs surgery on that knee. It may be some other kind of procedure. Um, the shoulder is going to be uh, a surgical procedure. He's going to have a surgery on a partially torn left labrum. And what happened essentially on Friday night, last Friday night against Portland, he left the game right before halftime and didn't come back. And everybody kind of searched for a play. And there was there was a screen that he set where there was some contact there with, I think, C.J. McCollum. And people thought maybe that was the play. And it turned out that really he had just had this knee problem. Uh, this tendinosis for some time. He'd been dealing with some pain, uh, but it didn't affect him enough that he thought it was something he couldn't play with. And on Friday, he just decided. He, he said he airballed a layup. He had a couple of plays where he just couldn't dunk the ball where he should have been able to dunk. He felt like he was losing some explosion, and he's you know he was he was having some pain, and he just that was kind of the last straw. And so uh, after the doctors looked at him, uh, they had a conference call with uh, the, a couple of doctors. They had sort of a staff meeting. Um, some management people, coaching staff, Anthony Davis and his representation, um, and they were on, on a conference call with some independent doctors, and the idea was that he just needed to shut it down for this knee. Uh, and then the issue with the, the shoulder is just that it's been a thing. It's uh, uh, Oddly enough, he, he told us today, uh, it was a thing he did his rookie year, so 2012-13. Uh, he partially tore his labrum, and he's just played with it. And, uh, you know, one of the things I've learned today is that's not that unusual. Um, guys do play with torn labrums. It's uh, especially like partial tear like this. The pain can kind of come and go, and uh, there can be days where it's really painful and really stiff, and then weeks at a time where you don't really feel anything. And, and the idea was the Pelicans knew about it. He didn't feel like he needed surgery. They felt like at some point he would need to have it, but as long as he felt like he could play with it, he w- they were okay with that. He was okay with that. It's not uncommon to hold off because of the amount of time you've got to shut down. The issue now, you've got the knee – He's going to need a four- or five-month recovery from this knee procedure, whatever the procedure ends up being, whether it's surgical or not. Uh, and so the idea was, okay, you got to have the knee anyway. Go ahead and just do the shoulder because you're going to be sitting. You're going to miss the Olympics one way or the other. Let's just get this cleared up too, and that's what they agreed to do. Yeah, and and given the situation, I think it probably makes sense that, that you would have you know the surgery now and you know get, get everything out of the way um, on both fronts. Um, were you, that being said, you know, obviously Anthony's been banged up at various points this year as he has throughout his career, which we'll get to in a little bit, but how, how surprised were you? Um, you know, I, I think if I remember right, you know, I was covering the NCAA tournament yesterday, but I'm pretty sure that, that this news broke when Alvin Gentry just announced it before the game on Sunday. Um, so, so that being said, 
Uh, was this something that anybody had any idea was coming or did this just kind of come as a, a lightning bolt out of the blue? Like it seemed like to people outside of new Orleans that, that, uh, you know, he was going to have these procedures and he was going to be done for the year. Uh, a little of a, and a little of B because uh, Saturday at practice, um, we were talking about something else and, and, and maybe, maybe a big picture injury thing. I don't remember exactly what the topic was. And at some point, uh, Alvin Gentry said something, and he said, "I thought I thought Anthony was playing great." And this was the day after he had left the Portland game early and not come back for the second half. And we didn't know what his status was at that point. Um, he, I think we kind of figured he was not going to play. I think we knew he was out for Sunday's game, the, the Clippers game, but we didn't know anything else. And and he used the the past tense. He said, "I thought Anthony was playing great." And so I just sort of asked him offhandedly at the very end of our time with him. I said, you know, you're being told that your star player has two injuries, your franchise player. He's got two injuries now, a shoulder and a knee. Does that make you any more inclined to say, let's just shut it down for the year? And he said, I wouldn't say no to that. Uh, and then he said, you know, I think it's something you've at least got to look into. And I thought at that moment they're going to announce this at some point. They're going to shut him down for the season. I didn't really expect him to do it the next day. It's just kind of been the way around here that – Injury news tends to drag a little, and I kind of thought they'd say, well, he's not going to play against the Clippers, and then we're going to get some more evaluations, and we're going to find out. And then um, it was sort of funny, and I understand why he did it, but somebody asked him before the game, you know, what's the status of Ryan Anderson and Anthony Davis? And, and Alvin Gentry said, well, you know, Ryan Anderson has a groin injury. It's on both sides. We're going to see what that what is. And, and then Anthony, we're shutting him down for the year. You know, just sort of off, like off to the side here. <laughs> but I, he did that because obviously he knew all the follow-up questions were going to be about Anthony Davis. So get the Ryan Anderson thing out of the way and do that. But it was it was just kind of a, a funny order to answer those things. Yeah, yeah, I would say so. Um, so let, let's let's talk about Anthony here. So you know, the, here's a guy un, unquestionably, you know, a, a tremendous talent. You you have a unique history for those who you know remember our first podcast you referenced earlier. You know you. You covered Anthony at Kentucky, one of you know many of many of these current NBA stars that you had a familiarity with from from your time covering the the the, uh, the Wildcats. Um, but you know Davis has had a tremendous career to this point, but you know he missed 18 games uh, his rookie year, he missed 15 games his second year, he missed 14 games last year. He's going to miss 21 games this year. He's never played more than 68 games in a season. Um, he's had a lot of nagging injuries here and there. He's had to leave a lot of games with injuries. Um, I, I know it's, I know he's 23 and, you know, he's an incredible talent, but how concerned do you think everyone should be at this point about his long-term durability, given the way his career has progressed to this point? Yeah, I mean, I, you have to be concerned, right? I mean, you can't, you can't ignore it. It's too many little things. And I think, the other thing I think that that we're learning, um, and and this is something that you know Alvin Gentry's made a big point of talking about, and I, I think uh, Anthony has sort of made a point of this, and some of his teammates certainly have. A lot of people, you know, when he would leave games with various whatever it was, people would say, you know, this guy's soft. He's always hurt. He's always getting hurt. But then you find out he's played with a torn, a partially torn labrum for three years. The guy's not soft. He's he's getting hurt. You know, like when he comes out of games. It's because he's hurt. I, I don't think and, – and in a way, that's almost more concerning, right, because these things are serious enough for a guy who is pretty tough and is willing to play with some pain to, to leave games and not come back. I, I don't think this is a matter of toughness. I think it's a matter of just being kind of injury-prone. And injury-prone is a weird thing, I know, because uh, it's flukish. Weird things have happened to him. Part of it, I think, is his style of play because he does – He's above the rim a lot. He's, he's jumping and landing a whole lot. He dives into the stands. He chases loose balls with, you know, pretty much with reckless abandon. At one point, Gentry, you know, asked him, please stop doing this. Please stop chasing the ball into the stands. And, and he said, I don't know how, you know, I don't know how to not do that. This is just, the ball is there and I want to go get it. Um, and so that's some of it. I think some of it is just the way he plays. Some of it may be his body type. Um, you know, uh, I don't know if you've heard Tim, but he had a growth spurt uh, in his younger days. I don't, I don't know if that's ever come up. Before, never once. I've never once heard that. I know a little, little inside basketball there. For you. <laughs> um, but you know, so I, I don't know if that impacts uh, uh, his body. If, if the way that's happened, he's also put on a lot of weight uh, in a short period of time in the NBA. Uh, and I don't know if his frame. I don't know if that's if that's good for his frame, and if that's part of the problem. Whatever it is. It's a lot of injuries. I mean, it's a, it's a lot of stuff, and they've not been catastrophic, and that that's the great thing for him. Uh, but they do pile up, and he misses some games. And I think 
you know, you have to sort of say going forward, is this going to be a thing? And the flip side of that is, you know, I don't know who made the, a bunch of people have made this point today, I think, but, but Nate Jones, who I don't know, but is a great Twitter follow was saying, you know, three years ago, no, nobody thought Steph was going to be, Steph Curry was going to be a guy who you could rely on to be healthy. And now he is. So you don't know that this is necessarily a, a precursor or it's a sign of things to come, but yeah, I think you have to worry some. No, and, that, and you know what? When you, I mean, bringing up staff is the is the ultimate counterpoint, right? Because there's a guy yeah. who signed a contract, you know, a few years ago for four years and forty four million, a contract for less money than Ty Lawson, for less money for around the same money or less money than Drew Holiday, um, you know, a, a lot of these guys, and that was basically considered to be a risk contract for Golden State that people weren't sure he was going to be able to live up to. And now it's the best contract, you know, in the league by miles. So, you know, that it's certainly possible that Anthony could come back from these injuries and, you know, be fine. And also, you know, I I can't, I feel like he's had a left games with a, a left shoulder, something or other a, a million times over the last few years. And if, if that, if that, if that recollection is true, um, and and he's had a torn, partially torn labrum in his shoulder. Then you know that would certainly explain why he would be leaving all these games uh, with you know his shoulder bothering him because you know that's a that's a pretty significant injury. Um, th- that being said, you know let's let's move ahead to you know kind of the the overhanging topic for for this right now, which is the fact that you know Anthony's got a chance to make a lot of money. Um, a lot. I, well, I shouldn't say that. He's going to make a lot of money anyway. Correct. He's got a chance to make a lot more money to the tune of twenty-four or twenty-five million dollars more if he makes the All NBA team this year. Um, for those people that don't know, uh, the, the the Derrick Rose rule, which you may have heard of, um, means that guys can get elevated from making twenty-five percent of the salary cap to thirty percent of the salary cap if they meet uh, a, 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 some various criteria. And one of those things is either to be started, voted in as a starter in the All-Star game or to be, to be named to one of the three All-NBA teams. With the thought process behind that, which is a provision that you know, I know from asking around was, was very heavily negotiated in the last CBA, there were some things that kind of got thrown in at the last minute um, to try and you know, get things wrapped up. But this was... You know this. This was not one of them. This was a a, a debated thing and a and a and a worked on thing. And um, you know the the bottom line was this was seen as a thing where you had two ways to get it right. Either the fans would deem someone popular enough that it would be all right, or the 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 media would vote somebody in based on merit for these truly transcendent players who you know had you know either won MVP awards early in their career, had become dominant players, and you know, it, it made sense to, to do it that way. Um, so now, you know, Anthony's in this situation. He's played 61 games. His numbers are very good, but they're not quite as good as they've been in the last year when he had, you know, one of the best statistical seasons of all time. There's a ton of competition at these forward spots. So let's, let me just ask you the question. Do you think Anthony Davis sneaks on to the third All-NBA team, or do you think that he doesn't and misses out on this extra big paycheck i think it's going to be really hard just for the reason that you brought up mostly it's the competition that there's so many guys and he's not only going to miss you know 21 games he's going to miss the last 14 games uh and he's going to have have ended up on it you know with a, with a really bad team a team with a really bad record um and and all of those i say all of those things and demarcus cousins was a second team guy last year missing more games than that uh playing for a team just about as bad so it's not a given that he won't get it um, he is one of the, uh, you know, I mentioned Cousins. They're the only two guys in the league averaging 20 and 10. Um, so I, I think there's two different questions here. One is, is he one of the 15 best players in the NBA? There's not even a question. It's not, I mean, that's not open for debate, I don't think. Whether he's going to make one of those all-NBA teams, I think, is really, really debatable. And, and I think sort of a fascinating thing, because you've got such a big piece for him in, in the hands of people who are going to vote for this, and I don't know if people will totally divorce themselves from it. Are there people out there who are going to say, Boy, you know, like I hate to not vote for Anthony Davis and cost him all this money. It's a, to me, it's an odd position to be in as a voter. Um, I, I think it will be very hard to get there. Uh, and at the same time, I, I, I see the argument. You know, it's it's twenty four points and ten rebounds and two blocks, and nobody else is doing that. 
Yeah, that's a great point about DeMarcus. I didn't realize – like, I knew that there were a few guys over the past few years that had got in with less games or the same amount. I didn't realize he was one of them last year. Now, the difference is, I, I think, you know, I personally would – I don't have – I'm not allowed to vote anymore. But if I if I was still voting, I would be voting for Anthony as a forward. I, right. I Whether he should be playing center or not is one thing. He isn't playing center for the Pelicans. So I, I would – I would vote him as a forward, and if, if you look at if you look at the forwards, you know th- there's four guys who are unquestionably going to to be on the first two teams, which are you know LeBron and, and Kevin Durant, and then Kawhi Leonard and Draymond Green. Right. Those four guys are unquestionably locked into the first four All NBA spots. So then you're looking at who makes the the final two spots. Now you've got Paul George, you've got Anthony, you've got Carmelo Anthony, you've got Gordon Hayward, you've got um, the Marcus Aldridge. Um, you can you can make a case for Dirk, but I don't think he's going to get on there. You can make a case for Paul Millsap. Atlanta's now third in the East. Um, you know, I think one thing that's worked in Anthony's favor, oddly enough, are these injuries to Chris Bosh and Blake Griffin. Um, because if I think if either one of them was healthy, I don't think he would have a chance of making the team. Because um, to me, I think Paul George has the the fifth spot pretty well locked up. Um, you know, you I, I mean, Paul, I think is I think he's averaging. Uh, I mean, he's averaging twenty three points. He's coming off this obviously this gruesome broken leg. I mean, he's averaging twenty three seven and four on it and playing great defense on a team that's going to make the playoffs most likely in the East. Um, yeah, and carrying a huge burden at both ends. Um, so I, I mean, to me, I think he's the fifth spot. So, so really, it's just Anthony down to all those other guys. Um, and and it, I think it is going to be fascinating to see if he makes the team because, you know, I, I think you're right. I, I think for a lot of voters, it's going to be hard for them to divorce themselves from the fact that they could be costing this guy a lot of money. And and I think, you know, you mentioned it before. I really think that could factor into a lot of people's minds as they try to make this vote. Yeah, I think it's an odd thing. And, you know, the other thing is he sort of – he's campaigned a little bit because, uh, you know, he said the other day uh, – you know, I, I think it's he's approached this probably the best way you can approach it in terms of balancing some honesty with, uh, you know, without making too big a deal of it. Because the, the dumbest thing he could possibly say is, I don't care if I make $23 million more, you know uh, – You've either got to not answer the question, or you can't answer it that way because nobody believes that. And that's you know that's basically what he said is yeah it's as he said the other day 125 or 126 million is still a lot of damn money you know it's a, it's a lot of money to make over the span of that time but 23 24 25 million that's a whole contract they give that away as contracts is the way he put it you know like that's that's a whole deal for somebody and so that's a lot of money and he wants that money um, and so he sort of you know he joked the other day anything you media guys want anything I can do for you you know call me. Well, and Brian, I'll help you out. Brian said he'll send out uh, thank you cards and all that stuff. But he also said, you know, as as he said today, it came up in the in conversations because they had a you know they had a discussion about shutting him down. There, there was not like a this is a thing where he's hurt and he he probably needs to sit. But it's the kind of thing he's been playing with and could probably have continued to play with. And he said, of course, when you sit down and have that conversation, this money comes up. And what he told the organization was, look, I, I'm I'm worried about this. I want to take care of this. And, and let's, you know, I'm not going to play through this just to try to get that money. That's, you know, it's, it's really not the kind of guy he is. It's, it's not the sort of player he is. I, I just, he, he, he does like to be regarded as one of the great players in the league, and he wants to end up regarded as one of the great players of all time. But it's not really about that kind of stuff for him. He wants that money, but he's not going to make a, a, a play for it that would risk, you know, something long-term happening to his health. Um, but it, it, it's a fascinating situation. I mean, that, that thing is a, is a weird deal. And he even said today, I think I've done enough. I think I've done enough for people to decide whether I belong on that team or not. And so even at the end, he's still kind of saying, you can still vote for me. And I mean, I, I, I think it does obviously matter a lot to him. Now, here to me is one of the fascinating questions for this. What do the Pelicans want to happen here? That's a great question. What do you, I mean, so I'll just ask you. Well, I'll, yeah. I'll, we can get into the pros and cons of it later. But what do you think they want to happen? If they're being a hundred percent honest, 100%. I don't think they want him to make the All NBA team because, I mean, what, what you said—it's—it's it's, 
it's it, during your rookie your rookie contract, you get All NBA twice, or you get voted into the All Star game twice, or you make up the MVP. If you do that, it's a cap issue. It's not a bonus. Some people are calling this a bonus, and and the way you described it is right. It's not a bonus. You can take up five percent more. Of the oh cap. yeah, it's either it's well, he either gets one contract or he gets another contract. It's right. not a and bonus. It's a different contract. They still got it. Right. They can use it on other stuff. And so you know that that's the thing for them. They've got more cap space if he doesn't get it. And so to me, it's obvious that they wouldn't want him to get it now. They were never going to hold him back, and I, I will say this: they weren't going to. Sh- you can't do that to your star player. You couldn't have shut him down just because. Hey, we're bad, and it's time to tank, and we're going to send this message that we're not really trying to win. You couldn't do that. You know, there was just no sort of political way that they were going to be able to do that. Uh, he he wouldn't have gone for it. The organization wouldn't have tried it. But now that you're in this situation where it's a legitimate health issue and he needs to be shut down and he's agreed to be shut down, yeah, I don't think they're going to be disappointed if the voters go another way. Well, the thing, the reason why I wondered if they might not feel that way is if you're the Pelicans, let's say you're the Pelicans and you are so god-awful this season that the, the combination of your awfulness and Davis getting hurt is the reason why – Davis doesn't make the All NBA team. That's a valid point. Is that is that right. something that in terms of just keeping him happy? Sure. Yeah, is that right. something that two years from now or three years from now he goes, man, you know these this organization was such a joke that they cost me you know twenty five you know twenty percent of what I could have made. Yeah, yeah, and that that is a legitimate question, and I, I haven't thought of it in that way. I think <laughs> what I've thought about it in ter- I, I've thought about it strictly in terms of like for their flexibility going forward and trying to get better. It's it's probably better for them that he doesn't get it, right? And, there, and there's obviously no there's obviously no question about that. Um, sorry. Right, so let so let's 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 look at this team as a whole. Obviously, this has been a just ca- catastrophic season in really every way. I mean, you have Davis now going out with two two procedures of some kind. Or I'm just going to call them surgeries, whatever yeah, they are. You know, he's he's having a knee issue and a shoulder issue. That's not great. Um, you know, they, they for reasons I will never understand, they do not trade Ryan Anderson at the trade deadline. Um, he, I think, is a lock to leave this summer. Um, maybe I'm wrong about that, but I just I just don't see a scenario where he comes back next season as uh, when he you know can hit free agency and is going to have a lot of teams trying to give him a ton of money. Um, so you lose him. Uh, you have Omer Oshik signed to a, a terrible contract. Um, Tyreek Evans has been hurt most of the season. Um, doesn't seem to be a guy that Alvin Gentry is thrilled with. Um, Drew Holiday has, has played well, but it's still not quite clear if he can be a, a you know a full time starting point guard given some of his health issues. Um, Quincy Pondexter missed the whole season because of knee issues and having all these various procedures done. Um, you know, obviously the one. The one upside to this is that the Pelicans are going to get a pretty high lottery draft pick. Could be as high as, you know, the number one pick. They're probably going to end up fifth or sixth in the lottery, which will be, you know, give them a decent opportunity to to jump up into the top three. And even if they stay five or six, they're going to get a good player. But, you know, as you look at this organization and, and them moving forward, you know, after making the playoffs last year, how much of a setback do you think this season was and what do you think is the potential for change here, given, you know, the fact they did just bring in Alvin and they did, you know, only decide a year ago to keep Dell Demps, but, you know, this this season clearly didn't go anywhere near the way anyone that down in New Orleans thought it was going to. Yeah, it's a huge setback season. I mean, they, you know, they, they had so much sort of momentum coming in and they, they had sold a lot of tickets. Uh, and now, you know, the building is, is, those tickets are sold, but the building's not full on a lot of nights. Um, you know, their, their TV ratings are terrible. Their TV deal is, you know, they, they, they do as poorly as anybody in the league. I think they get the lowest local ratings of anybody in the league. Um, you know, it has really hurt them in terms of momentum in a year when they were really poised to grab more because not only were they coming off a, a great season, a great, great for them, a playoff season. Obviously, they got swept in the playoffs by a historically great team, but they had had a really good year. They had one of the best players in the league coming back, and the Saints were not good, and and the Saints weren't in the playoffs. And so you, there was this sort of vacuum, and everybody kind of thought this is the year they make their big push. And so not only did they not do that, they've, they've gone – 
you know, completely downhill. And, and look, the, the injury thing, I've been accused by some people of focusing a little too much on it, and I don't want to dwell on it too much. It's a real thing. I mean, it's a huge part of why they're not good. It's, it's you know, last year a lot of people thought of them as kind of injury-prone. They, they missed 108 games to injury the whole year. They're going to have four guys, Davis, Pondexter, Tyreek Evans, and Eric Gordon. Those guys are going to miss 197 by themselves. They're going to end up over 300. If nobody but the guys who are out for the season miss another game, they'll end up over 300 games missed for the year, so two, almost 200 more than a year ago. It's a real thing, and it's also a real thing when you're trying to, to learn a brand-new system that is very different. I mean, you, you, can't, you can't be much more different than going from what Monty Williams does offensively to what Alvin Gentry does. It's, it's night and day. So it's a huge adjustment. You've got all these guys in and out of the lineup all year. Um, and, and so th- that stuff is real. It's not just that the injuries are just an excuse, but it's not the only thing. They also have a roster that's not very well constructed, even when it's all there. I mean, I think Pondexter would have helped them a lot, and we will never know. That was a huge um, injury. People, yeah, I mean, it, and that's a guy nobody knows about, but that, yeah. that really, you know, they needed a guy who could play that three spot and shoot a little bit and play defense, and they they just never they never had that guy all season. Yeah, and they they they've got some they've got some plays that if you watch them, you know, there are just some plays where there are guys leaving you know leaving corner shooters uh, to come onto the to, to to Anthony Davis's side of the free throw line. I mean, they're they're coming to the other side of the lane to help out on Anthony Davis and leaving a guy wide open in the corner with nobody on that side of the lane against him. They're, they're collapsing so much against guys like Alonzo G sometimes. And so he just, you know, Pondexter gives you a little bit of floor balance because he can make that shot. He had a, a career year shooting the three last year. But then also one of the things they've just been killed by, you know, they, they don't have a guy that defends that three spot very right. well. Dante Cunningham tries really hard, but defensively he's more of a power forward. He really is a backup power forward uh, who's, who's been forced to play a lot of small forward. That's that's a position they're just sorely lacking. And they, you know, sometimes you can kind of plug Tyreek Evans in there, and he's not a defensive uh, 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 help there, but he at least helped uh, at that position when you could play him there. And now you don't have him to do it. They just it's been kind of a rotating, a revolving door there. Um, but but it's also been a little bit poorly constructed. Even when they had, they, they didn't have everybody together a lot. But even when they did. You know, Evans, I think we talked about this last time, Tyreek's just not a good fit for a for a, a ball movement offense. It's not really what he does. He's a guy who probes a defense with the dribble. Uh, he's not a guy who, you know, brings the ball up like, like Steph Curry and gives it up and gets it back and makes a play at the end of the clock, which is what you're trying to do in this system. It's just not him. Um, you know, Drew Holiday's closer to that. Uh, but but they've got some pieces that just don't fit. They've got a lot of offensive first guys who don't do a lot of things defensively. Their best defenders don't give you a whole lot offensively. So there's a lot of mismatched parts. Um, and, and so they have to make some some significant changes. And they've got a little bit of, you know, they got some cap room and they've maybe got some trade pieces. But they don't have assets that get you a whole lot back. And so it's going to be such a fascinating offseason for them because it is a, a huge step back. And there's not like a, a clear path where you say, okay, they get here's what they do in three steps to get themselves back into playoff contention in, in a year. I'm going to put you on the spot. Should they have? Should they go get a new GM this summer? Yes or no? I, you know, my inclination is to say yes because I think that the the reason that you do that, um, one, I, I think you're, it's going to be very hard to sell this product to the fan base if you say everybody was hurt. We're going to run it back with everybody back and try again with this the same management, the same coach, and the same players and see what we can do with some minor changes, some free agent signings, a draft pick. Uh, I think it's going to be hard to get people excited about that, and I do think they need to generate some excitement in the city about them. Um, and I, I don't know that like firing the GM is the way to do it, but I think if you're going to have to hold somebody accountable, if you decide you have to make changes – and, and, and I'll get into the complication of changing your GM and not your coach. But, but uh, you know, Dell Demps put the roster together, and he handpicked the coach. And so if, at the end of the day, you say, this year went off the rails because the personnel didn't fit the coach, you know, one guy is responsible for both pieces of that. Now, you could also maybe say, look, maybe, maybe these parts aren't so bad if you change coaches. So maybe they think about that. That's a more expensive change because of Alvin Gentry's longer contract. Uh, but, but, you know, uh, the owner in, in the past, Tom Benson, has been willing to spend money to be competitive. So we don't know exactly where he stands on that. That's a complicated issue. The idea of firing your GM but keeping your coach and telling your next GM, like, you have to keep this coach, I don't know how often that works. And so I, those decisions become really, to me, really, really complicated. Do you think that they, do you think, so what do you think happens then? I, 
you know, I, I've started to think in recent weeks that they're going to run it back, that they're going to make some changes personnel-wise, what, what changes they can make, and they're going to pin all this on the injuries and take a sort of united front and say, look, you know, there's no way to judge everybody based on this. But there's no way of knowing that. You know, the thing about this is the management is sort of, it's run by people who, who run the Saints. And, you know, I just don't know where those people's heads are in, in regard to that. You know, it's, it's really the football management side is going to make some of these decisions uh, about what they do with basketball people. Uh, and I don't know where their heads are in that. You hear so many different things about whether or not they're going to be willing to spend to make the changes. Uh, and then, and, and also I think, you know, whether they'd be willing to, to give control to one person's, I don't think, you know, I, I don't think that's going to happen where they go out and get a guy like Jeff Van Gundy and give him all the power. Um, I, I, I don't see that as a thing they're going to do. So it's, it is really hard to say. I wish I could make a really bold prediction, but I don't feel informed enough about what they're thinking to really say, like, I feel like they'll do this. Right. Now you mentioned, you mentioned the weird dynamic with the, the group that own the, the, the Saints people being involved. And for, for people who don't follow it every day, the, the, the Pelicans and Saints are both owned by Tom Benson and his family, which is a, a complicated mess at the moment anyway, because they're all suing each other. But um, uh, on top of that, uh, Mickey Loomis, who is the general manager of the Saints, I believe also the president, um, he he is also the president of the Pelicans, or he has some over... So it, vice, vice president of basketball operations. Vice, okay, vice president of basketball operations. So he's essentially the, the top personnel guy for both teams which is just a a bizarre situation and I I was curious you know you kind of mentioned there there's just a lot of stuff floating around um and and, you know you kind of read that and hear that um about this Pelicans team but is there is there any clear idea there of who really is in charge on a daily basis like is it I mean, does it feel like a situation where Dell Demps does kind of have final say, or, or, or does it feel like he he is reporting to people above him, and and then they are, you know, kind of signing off on on what he's doing? At this point, it still feels to me like he has the reins that he makes these decisions. You know, I think at the trade deadline, I, you know, you mentioned the Ryan Anderson trade that they didn't make a Ryan Anderson trade. I think that came down to them not finding a trade that they felt like they wanted to make, even with the prospect of losing him. And, and by the way, I'm of the mind that they they can't resign him. I, I don't think you can commit that kind of money to a guy who who really is a stretch four and, and not a really defensive minded guy when your best player is a power forward. I just that, to me, you can't commit that kind of money to Ryan Anderson. He's a popular player. Uh, around here. He's a really good offensive player. He stretches the floor. I just don't think you can pay him the kind of money it's going to take to keep him here, even if he wanted to, and I'm not convinced that he wants to come back. But, uh, you know, so I I don't understand the lack of trading him either, but I think they just didn't find the deal they wanted, and I I do think that was Dell's call at the end. I mean, I think he was the guy making the decisions at the trade deadline. Um, It it is a weird deal. Well, let's be honest. I want you to finish in a minute, but, but let's be honest. The reason they didn't trade Brian Anderson was because there were some misguided thoughts that they could still make a run at the playoffs, right? I mean, yeah, that's yeah. the bottom line. They should have they should have gotten whatever they could get for him because they had no chance of making the playoffs. But they really, up until what two or three weeks ago, were saying that that they thought they could make the playoffs. They just need to get everybody together and and make a run. And that just, I mean, it it just seemed it seemed like a misguided thought from the start and. And and I, I I think that pretty clearly informed the way they approach things at the deadline because there's no question they couldn't have got something for him, and they just decided that they didn't want to do anything. Yeah, and I, I think that's the thing. I mean, I feel like they were really thinking in terms of if you're going to trade him, make your team better, uh, you know, for the for the stretch run of this season. And I don't think they they found a deal that would do that. Uh, and I also don't think you know like there was some talk out there about. You know, the, the Toronto package that some people talked about them offering to a couple different people, Patrick Patterson and, like, a, the, the worst of their first-round picks. They didn't offer that for Ryan Anderson, to be clear. You know, like, that was not a thing. That would Patrick Patterson would be, you know, uh, on Bourbon Street now or whatever. He'd be, he'd be sightseeing in New Orleans if that was an <laughs> offer that was made. You know, that was just not something that, that they were going to offer. They offered that for some guy. They might have offered that for Gallinari. They were not going to offer that for Ryan Anderson on a, on a three-month contract. You know, that wasn't going to happen. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't think they found any kind of deal. And I do think you're right. They were still stuck in playoff mode 
and, and some of that was just a, a misguided thing. And some of it was just this, you look at the standings and nobody was running away and it just felt like maybe you're going to be able to make this push, but it was unrealistic with the guys they were going to have coming back. The fact that they just weren't going to have pieces in place. They just didn't have enough good players. I, you know, somebody told me this the week before the all-star break, uh, somebody who knows the league really well, just said, look, they don't have enough good players there to win meaningful games. They, you know, they'll, they'll sneak up and beat some people, and they have. They beat Oklahoma City. They've beaten San Antonio this year. They've beaten Cleveland. Uh, but but they just, you know, they beat the Clippers with whatever they had, the shell of a team that they had on Sunday. But they just don't have enough. They, they were starting Bryce Dezion Jones. They've started 34 different lineups. They're, you know, they, they signed Tim Frazier to a 10-year, a 10-day contract. He looks like the fourth best player on the team. They just don't have enough good players. You know, and that's it's a bit of an exaggeration, but really, he's he's been good, and they've not been good. Guys jump out at you. They, these D League guys come up and look pretty good because they just they've just got a lot of, of, of pieces that don't fit, and they've got a lot of one dimensional guys who are either their shooters or their defenders. They don't have a lot of you know two way guys. They just they don't have enough good players, and it was it was it was mistaken of them to think in February there's still a chance at this thing because the you could look at the roster and see that it. It just, you know, barring some, some significant collapses from other people, you just needed so much help to, to really think you were going to make a run. So between the main, so and, and I totally agree. I mean, that was a misguided thought, and, and they shouldn't have done it. But but they're not the first team that, that's, you know, held on to guys that try to make a futile run that may may or may not keep some people's jobs, and it, they won't be the last either. So now looking at this year's draft, this, I'll touch on this before we get you out of here. Um, looking at this year's draft, you know, right now they're set to pick sixth in, in what I think is kind of a five-player draft. Um, you've got, you know, the top five in some order right now are, are Ben Simmons, Brandon Ingram, Jalen Brown, Dragon Bender, who's a, a Croatian forward, for those who don't know. Jalen Brown plays at Cal. Um, and then Chris Dunn, who I think is a stud, um, who's a point guard at Providence. I, I mean, to me, you've kind of got a clear top five there. And then there's a bit of a drop-off. So... Of course, given the way that things have gone for the Pelicans, they are currently set to pick sixth. So if they do pick sixth, and you're looking at this group of guys between um, Jacob Poeto, uh from Utah, the big 7-1 center, Jamal Murray, guard from Kentucky, Henry Ellenson, a power forward from Marquette, you got Buddy Heald, uh, the Oklahoma guard, who's really good. Um, you've got Scalabissier, who I think we talked about last time, uh, who's kind of snuck back up draft boards lately. Um, maybe even guys like Demetrius Jackson or Devontae Davis. Um, you know, that's kind of a weird group after that. If if New Orleans ends up with a sixth pick, and 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 if you agree with me that it is kind of a, a five-player draft, what do you think they – what direction do you think as of now makes the most sense of the guys on the board with that sixth pick? Obviously without really looking into things heavily. Yeah, and I haven't watched a ton of college games, and I've seen some of those guys. I, I'm with you on Dunn, who I, to me is like the guy for them if they land in a spot where they can get him because I think he's got some John Wall in him. I think he'd be great at pushing the ball in a system where you're going to try to do that if, if they're going to stick this way uh, and, and continue to play this way, and Alvin Gentry's going to be the coach. I think he's a really good fit. The fans here are enamored, as a lot of fans are, of Buddy Heald. Um, I, I have some concerns based on some of the stuff we read over the last couple of weeks that you probably read too about – you know, looking at guys who made big jumps after not having great freshman and sophomore years, and maybe that's a little bit of a red flag because maybe they're just getting older than their competition, and so they're physically better than some of those guys. Um, you know, so I, I have some concerns about him. He's fantastic to watch. Um, I, I know that they have watched Murray pretty closely. I think he's a really good scorer. Um, I, I don't know. You know, they, they do need shooters. It's it's one thing they desperately need, and so I don't think he'd be a bad fit. I think it would be odd for them to go big. Just because you know they have Davis, they've got so much money right now committed to Omer Ashik and and Alexia Jensa that you you know unless you're planning on moving one of those guys, and I'm sure they would love to move uh, Ashik's contract, but that's also going to be a challenge. Uh, I think going big would be a little bit strange, uh, just because you have so many needs on the wing. But I, I think they need to get better on the wing. I, I look at you know there are things I don't like about Jalen Brown, but I look at him and say see a, a potential as a as a guy who is a two way wing who can defend his position and defend a couple of positions and. And make a shot. He played so poorly down the stretch, but but I think those I, I, I look at those wing guys and say those are the guys that they need to be looking at more. Maybe a, a Murray, um, you know that in that range maybe Murray. But I, I think for them they'd love to luck into. They love Ingram. I think there's no question about that. Yeah, but if they I can mean, luck into Dunn. I think it's a, a good situation. And they're one of those teams, by the way, 
if they lucked into one, it, it might not be Simmons. They might be one of those teams that would go Ingram uh, because it just I, I think a lot of people think Simmons' best position is probably going to be as a versatile power forward, and they kind of have one of those. Right. I, it'd be hard for them not to take the kid who played at LSU, though, wouldn't it? It would on one hand. On the other hand, you know, it was funny. I listened to local radio the day after – the Monday after LSU lost to Texas A&M by – a thousand points oh, in the God. SEC tournament final, and there was so much bad mouthing of Simmons. You know, th- there is a, a, a bad vibe about him. I think uh, he is such a name that I think the, the people in New Orleans who aren't as into LSU would just know him as a you know, like, hey, he's a local kid from LSU who's really good. Don't we have to take him? So I think there would be some of that. But I think because of the just the fit and the outside shooting and all that stuff, I think Ingram would be really, really hard for them to pass on. They'd be a fascinating team to get in because everybody kind of thinks. I think everybody kind of thinks, well, it's ultimately going to be Simmons. Stop it with all this drama that you're trying to create. But I think they're one of those teams who would really look hard about uh, at Ingram. Yeah, no, it would make a lot of sense. And, and you're right, it would be fascinating. I mean, I'm with you. I think if they end up with the sixth pick, I, I think Murray makes a ton of sense for them. Um, he's a key, looked really good, especially later in the season for Kentucky. I know their season ended um, yesterday, but or over the weekend, I should say. Um, he, he's a, I think he's a nice player and, you know, if, if you're going to go with Drew, you know, and I agree with you, I think they look at Drew Holiday as a guy that, that can be a piece for them moving forward that makes sense to hang on to. And so if if you're keeping Drew and you think Quincy Pondexter is going to be healthy, you know, Eric Gordon's a free agent. You're, you're probably going to try to move Tyreek to somebody. You're going to need another wing. And, you know, Murray's got pretty good size to be a two guard. He can handle the ball a little bit. Um, you know, I, I think that I think that would make a ton of sense. Um, I do think, though, and I could be – I mean, this is no offense to Jamal Murray, who I think is a terrific player and bow and arrow and great and all that. He's really fun and, and whatnot. But I do think after the season you've gone through, it probably will be a little bit of a bummer if what you end up with out of this draft is Jamal Murray. Not that he's not a good player, but I think you're right about the first five guys in the draft, and, and particularly I think the first four even. You know, I, I think there's just if you don't get. I assume. One I assume. Guys, I, I assume you're. Kind of I assume you're not counting Brown in that group. You think Adrian yeah, Simmons, yeah, Bender, and yeah. Dunn? Because I'm just not sure about him. Although I do think maybe he'd be a good fit, just because I think you know he's got like a little bit of. And, and a lot of it's funny because I, I base more of what I know about these guys on high school because I saw some of them at AAU. True. And, and he, he's got a little Stanley Johnson to him in terms of the body and the you know just what he can do physically. And that's a guy who I think you know I, I look at him all the time and think oh he would have fit nicely. You know. Um, <laughs> yeah. But. You know, they, they need that kind of two-way wing guy. But, you know, um, and Ingram is the ultimate example of that. But you can't, obviously, you can't uh, you can't sit around and hope on getting a top two pick when you're sitting in that sixth spot. They were, I'm sure that there were people in the organization rooting very hard for the Timberwolves to uh, pull off the win against Golden State tonight, which almost happened, which would have been, that, that's one of the teams they're chasing to get down. As well. Right, let's see. So they're they're currently tied with the Knicks in the loss column for the six. But they're, they're two losses, they're two wins behind and... I know that they just beat the the Bizarro Clippers the other day, who I can't get really? any handle on. But really not a great win, not a not a good thing to do. Not a good thing to do. Win, but win the first game when you shut down. Yeah, exactly. Um, but they're they're four and a half ahead of the Timberwolves for that fifth pick. It's or I should say five losses. They're four and a half, and they're five losses ahead. It's just hard to see. It's hard, and actually, they're tied with Sacramento in the loss column too. So. I mean, the funny thing is they're... They swept. Yeah, well, that's the funny thing. They're kind of in a... I'm just looking through the standings now. It's it's a, it's a an interesting situation because, you know, they're they're tied in the loss column with the Kings and the Knicks. They're one loss back of the Nuggets, who have 42 losses. The, all those teams have 43. Then the Magic and Bucks both have 41. So the, there's five losses between the, the Timberwolves and the, the Pelicans, which I, I really just can't see them coming back from. And, you know, if New Orleans somehow manages to go on a little hot streak here, they could go from the sixth pick in the lot, or at least the sixth lottery spot, to 10th or 11th without really much, you know, doing a whole lot of winning. And, you know, at this point, given where their season is, I think you'd have to say that that would be if I guess if there is a fitting way for this season to end, given how disastrous it's been, it would probably be that right that they they somehow win you know seven of these last thirteen or fourteen games and and somehow you know move up 
three or four spots in the draft or move back three or four spots in the draft, I should say, and and maybe not even give themselves a chance at a guy like Murray with the sixth or seventh pick. Yeah, it, I, to me, it would be a disaster. I, I know that they're talking about, you know, Alvin Gentry is talking about, and this is, look, I understand. He is a coach who wants to be coaching here next year. Uh, he has a player he, he really wants to continue coaching, and he wants to turn this thing around. He wants to be here. He wants to have this head coaching job. And so he is going to say things that talk very positively about being the coach next year, and those things are going to include things like establishing a culture down the stretch, uh, winning and being tough at the end of games and finding ways to win. And he's going to talk about how great it was to beat the Clippers in a game like that on Sunday. Uh, I, I think that's ridiculous. Uh, you want to lose these games. I mean, I, and, and he, you know, Alvin Gentry says, I don't know how you sell that to your players. And I get that. And I get that players are supposed to be competitive. Um, but, you know, th- this is the deal. You've, you've got a, a, a franchise player who's going to shut it down and, and come back next year and hopefully be better and stronger and, and, and in uh, better condition and less, less sort of nagging injuries to deal with. And you got to build around him, and you got to get better around him. And the best way to do that is with the top five pick in the draft, and you want to maximize your chances of getting there. And so, to me, I, you know, uh, he got asked. Alvin Gentry got asked today if Ryan Anderson, who has a groin injury, is shut down for the season, and he said not yet, uh, which indicates you know the possibility that it, that it might happen. If that guy's not even a part of your plans moving forward, shut him down. Shut him down with the groin injury. Get him healthy to free agency. I'd rest uh, Drew Holiday some games. I don't think they're going to do that because he sort of set a goal to get through the season. Um, but, yeah, to me, lose. You want to lose games. And I understand why coaches and players don't agree with that, but uh, they're wrong, I think. Yeah, no, and, and that's the thing. Like, I mean, look, here's the misnomer about all this stuff about tanking. The reason that Adam Silver and the commit and Gary Bettman did the same thing the other day, the NHL commissioner, all, all these guys can say their their teams aren't tanking because that all of their fallback line is well, none of the players would ever tank a game, and none of the coaches would ever tank a game, and of course they wouldn't. I mean, right. that is the misnomer of all this stuff. The Philadelphia 76ers aren't going out and trying to lose games on the court, but. Their front office is resting guys. They're they're you know they're not signing guys. They're doing different things. It's the same thing here with the Pelicans. You look at this situation. Davis now isn't playing. Hundred percent agree about Ryan Anderson. He shouldn't play another game for the Pelicans. There's no point. He's he's had a lot of injuries over the last couple of years. Let him take the last few weeks off. Get himself healthy. Let him go into the summer and make some money. He's not going to be back there anyway. You're not trying to win any games. You already have Tyreek Evans out. You already have Eric Gordon out. I agree with you. Drew Holiday's kind of in a weird spot because he has been so banged up. You know, he might want to get through the season, but, you know, he probably shouldn't play any second half of back-to-backs the rest of the season. Like, there are things you can do that are going to basically guarantee that you lose games um, just just from a sheer lack of talent and depth perspective that isn't, oh, these players are going out and actively trying to lose games. You're never going to have anybody on any of these teams that's actually trying to do that. Right, and there's 13 games left. Nobody thinks they threw this season. They tried everything they could to win. They had guys out, and they tried They they, they tried really hard to win. They wanted to win this year. They wanted to be back in the playoffs. You know, they didn't they didn't make trades, but it's not for lack of trying. It's not like they didn't shop some guys <laughs> right. Tyreek Evans. Right. In the process of maybe them trying to look around at, at some options, got hurt. You couldn't trade him. They couldn't trade Eric Gordon, who's on an expiring contract, uh, because he was hurt right at the deadline. You know, there were just you couldn't make some of those moves. So there's some things they didn't do personnel wise that maybe could have helped them try to win. But they went into this year with every thought that they would try to win, and everything they did all year, at least publicly, was geared towards saying we're still trying to win. As we talked about, they were clinging to the playoffs when the chances were so slim. And look, now that it's all over, just just give in, man. It's it's time, you know. Just just shut it down and 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 for 13 games at least, try to position yourself the best you can to be good next year, as good as you can be. Yeah, that that would be smart. We'll see. Uh, we'll see how these last few weeks play out. Um, Brett, this is great as always. Um, give uh, give the people some some information on where they can find you, and, and uh, you've you've been obviously doing good work down there. So plug some stuff for them to uh, to go read. Yeah, it's, uh, it's the NewOrleansAdvocate.com, um, and I would say, you know, if you go there now, there's so much Anthony Davis stuff this week, you can read all this stuff about him shutting down, but if you go search the site, uh, if there's a couple things people should look, I would, I would like people to look at, um, you know, uh, from the week after the All-Star break, I, I spent some time with, with Anthony uh, Davis in Toronto, uh, and talked to some other people, just about kind of being 
the star, the franchise guy on a franchise that's not in a good position, that's having a bad year. I talked to Carmelo Anthony for that story and John Wall and, and, and just kind of talked to, to Davis about some of what he's learned from some other guys, from Kobe Bryant, from, from different guys about kind of going through that. And, and I think he had some interesting perspective there. So that story. And then uh, from around that same time, uh, we did a, a pretty cool oral history of the year that the New Orleans Hornets, the, the first year mostly, that they spent in Oklahoma City. And that was around the time that the Thunder came to uh, to New Orleans to play. And that, it was it was a, a pretty good, I think, uh, encapsulation of that year. Talked to Chris Paul, talked to a lot of different people, uh, just about what that year was like and also what it meant to basketball in Oklahoma City. I mean, the, the fact is that the, that the Thunder wouldn't exist uh, if it weren't for that team. And so that's just kind of a, I think it's sort of an interesting piece of NBA history. It was the 10-year anniversary of that team, and uh, that was kind of a cool piece. Those are both excellent pieces. Everyone should go check them out. I read them both. Would highly recommend them. Um, you can uh, you can find my work at the Washington Post. You can follow me at Tim Bontemps on Twitter. You can go to my Facebook page. I think it's Tim Bontemps NBA for all of the podcasts and everything else that I do there. Um, thanks to Glenn Yoder in the Western States for the theme music to the podcast. As always, um, Brett. Thanks again for uh, for staying up late and doing this. Um, enjoy what should be a relatively stress-free final few weeks now that there's basically no one left on the team that's relevant to cover and uh, look forward to uh, look forward to catching you again soon. Thank you. I look forward to my third, third appearance. (laughs) Sounds good.